Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Welcome to Blaster Cannon episode 7. I'm Megan Krauss. I'm here with my friend Paul Herman to talk about Star Wars and Expanded Ooh. Universe news. What's up, Paul? <laughs> Not much. Are we are we still calling it the Expanded Universe? Um, yes. My quick answer <laughs> is yes. Because it's easy. It's easier to say than non-movie, book, game, comic, ancillary material. <laughs> true, true. Okay. That, that... Although, I... I guess you could argue that it's lowercase expanded universe and the old <laughs> EU is uppercase expanded universe. That's legends. Maybe? That's, you can say it's legends EU and now we have the EU. Well, that would be making it easy. <laughs> <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's legends versus canon. This is your canon podcast. I referred to it as original AU in the or original AU? EU in the notes. <laughs> completely wrong. oh man oh man all right well well, really quick before we we move on uh we unfortunately don't have Saf with us today um megan do you have uh, any info well Saf is um not available to come on this episode we're really hoping that we're going to be able to have her back soon there's just some changes going on that should clear up soon and we will have her back as soon as possible we miss and love you Saf and I, I I talk to Saf every other day it seems like on Twitter and we're always we're talking so it's not like I don't I don't I don't talk to her anymore or anything like that. So it's uh we're hopefully have her on soon and uh, hopefully in the next episode. So we'll get that all squared away. Um, so yeah, Saf's working on some awesome stuff. She's at Wanderlustin on Twitter. And is, isn't she having a new uh, podcast network? She does. I do not remember the name of it right now. But you can find it at <laughs> com, I yes. believe. Yeah, you, you can check it out on there. So, all right, Megan, what what we got for on the on the news docket? We've got Empire's End. Um, the last month or so. Mm-hmm. When did this book come out? Hang on. It came, well, it came out. It came out last month, but it was like only a few weeks ago. February twenty first. Um, Aftermath, Empire's End by Chuck Wendig finished the trilogy that started with Aftermath and told us a little bit more about what's up with Nora Wexley, Ray Sloan, and a lot of other characters fighting on both Rebel and Imperial sides immediately after Return of the Jedi. So this is a pretty big deal, seeing as it wraps up characters we've spent quite a lot of time with. So we're going to go over the book. Um, This will be a spoiler podcast, so if you've not finished it, you might want to avert your ears. Um, And before that, we're going to talk a little bit more about the EU news that's been going on. We uh, know our last episode was back in December, I believe, and we're not going to cover everything that happened since then, but we're going to talk about some of the stuff uh, that's going on now and will be going on as we move into Celebration. 
Yeah, yeah. There, there was a lot of news that came on between now, last uh, Rogue One, and, and now. But uh, I guess the first thing, I mean, I guess, the, I mean, I guess next episode we should just do a whole episode dedicated to Rebels, don't you think? So absolutely, yeah, we certainly could because Rebels is going to have its uh, season three finale soon. Yeah, and so what's the so what's the what's the news on Rebels now? The news on Rebels is that um, last week season four was announced. I don't think this is particularly a surprise. The show is doing uh, pretty well. It's you know it's it's going strong among Star Wars fans. Um, the so season four is coming in fall 2017, and production is underway now. The uh, press release that we got didn't really say much more about that. It kind of talked about what's going on right now with season three, and just we know that season four exists now. Yeah, I don't know about you, and, and we can get into this more on the next episode, uh, but I actually have really been loving this season. I think this has been a really consistent season. Um, I think the last season we had the amazing beginning and end. In the, in the middle, it just seemed like for season two, just wasn't as strong as we're, or, what we're getting now in season three. Like I feel like the more fun one and done episodes are really a lot more entertaining and well done for at least for in my in my opinion. Uh, I've been writing reviews for Star Wars News, uh, Star Wars Newsnet, and uh, and you're writing reviews for uh, Den of Geek still, correct? Yes. Yes. So we're both we're both writing reviews for Rebels, and I, for me, Megan, I I've really been liking the season and a lot, and uh, I kind of feel that. It, it, I'm really glad this is going to be continuing because if, if it was like last season where it was just it was like it hit it was like awesome if it missed it was like eh. and so I I just I'm glad that it's it's been more consistent if it was like last season I feel that I probably would be like wouldn't really I'd be I care it's Star Wars I'm gonna watch it but I'd prefer something else but because the season's been so strong and it feels like we're building towards something now like really especially the last episode. Um, I'm really excited for season four. I think there's probably, I'm hoping there's a lot of amazing things on the way. So I I think there will be. So yeah, I'm excited for it. Yeah. I think season three was definitely better than season two taken as a whole. Um, season three had some really good episodes lately. The, uh, Sabine centric episodes. I loved a lot. The latest one, secret cargo moved the plot forward in a pretty significant way. And that episode actually kind of encapsulates how I feel at the end of the season right now, because as I said in my review, it, it was so close to being really good. I don't know. We, we didn't talk about this one together at all yet. Um, I don't know if you agree, but it was, a really fun episode. It did some really important things in terms of like introducing how Mon Mothma went from mm-hmm. being a senator to being a rebel. But it also it felt a little thin at times. And I still feel like Rebels hasn't quite lived up to its potential, but that it's going bigger. It's less afraid to afraid is not the right word, because I don't think it was there was ever any like philosophy of we're not allowed to touch certain parts of the universe in that case but it's it's doing a better job of creating really solid plot points like mon mothra's introduction like sabine's uh challenge of the mandalorians and making them feel really important well it's funny because i i actually love this last episode and i and and now granted now a big part of it's because y wings were showcased in it and i'm a giant y wing <laughs> fan so i think maybe i just was like grinning ear to ear the entire episode um you know i actually really liked mon mothma's inclusion um 
a lot. And I, I love, you know, this is one of the things about this episode, that episode I, I will say really fast. And we'll get, we'll get more deeper into the, the season next, next episode. But basically I think that I was really impressed with what they did with 22 minute episode, because with clone wars, they were able to do a lot in 22 minutes. And I feel rebels, they haven't been able to really capture like cinematic feeling in 22 minutes. I'm not saying that's easy. That's freaking hard. But Clone Wars did an amazing job of that, where I think as Rebels has struggled getting that at times. And I really felt this last episode, it really captured 22-minute episodic um, cinematic feel um, that's really hard to capture. And Mom Mothma's speech, I felt, was like pretty awesome for con- considering it was from a for a car, you know a cartoon kid show or a family show as, uh, as i like to say but uh but yeah like i thought it was i thought it was great um i love the ending was incredible to be honest i thought it was really powerful and i'm really excited where they're gonna go with this this episode felt like it was much longer than 22 minutes it i did. think mm-hmm. I, I definitely agree yeah. Yeah. And I think that's and that to me is great storytelling. If you can tell a giant story in 22 minutes and not have it be, um, you know, and this this is also considered too. you know, Clone Wars relied on telling the next episode, whereas Rebels, this episode is one and done. And a lot happens and it's only 22 minutes. And that's really that's that's stellar writing at that point. And I kudos to the writers, whoever wrote the episodes. But it was great. My last point about Rebels for this this week, I think, is going to be that uh, I really loved the TIE Defenders. I know we've seen them before, but oh, I was, great. I think how you were about the Y-Wings. I was like, TIE Defenders, yay! <laughs> no, no, that's exactly it, too. Like, I love the TIE Defender. It was great! Like, I, I'm not was... a TIE fan. But I like, but I like the Defender. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so a bit of housekeeping because I see it on my audio recording right now. You might hear background noise from me because my house is a menagerie. Um, (laughs) There's a cat now, which I've heard on the background of other podcasts. So there might be meowing and there is definitely the sound of crickets, which are going to be fed to the gecko, but are currently alive and chirping. So I hope you enjoy the soothing sound of crickets. (laughs) Awesome. All right. What's up? What's next for us, Megan? So next on our list is a new novel that was announced uh, a couple weeks ago. Christy Golden, who wrote Dark Disciple, among other novels, is coming back with Inferno Squad on July 25th. Inferno Squad! I have to say it like that. Inferno Squad! Um, Go! Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) With uh, Elite Imperials versus Saw Gerrera's Partisans after Rogue One and after A New Hope. So we don't know too much about this other than that its title is Inferno Squad! Um, (laughs) But... But... (laughs) <laughs> but I like Christy Golden. Um, I think her um, character writing is pretty good. Dark Disciple was based on Clone Wars scripts, so she didn't create the overall plot. But I liked how she got into the characters' heads, and I think that um, it'll be. I always like the like military science fiction stuff, so that combined with an author that I generally like um, is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's. I think that uh, I got this confused with Scar Squadron, which is a from the comic books. It's like a Darth Vader's kind of special squad of stormtroopers kind of thing. I'm not sure if they were his personal ones, but they're like 
he was the one that infiltrated um, the Buff Hut from now uh, Nar Shaddai. Um, <laughs> or now, I don't. Remember, I forget, is it Nar Shaddai he went to on the on the Star Wars Marvel comics? I think it was. It was. I, I believe so. Yeah. In the Star Wars comics, was Star Scar Squad in that? Scar Squad Star Wars. I can't. Yeah, I know. That. I know. Um, I know. <laughs> were they in that comic as well? I don't remember them. Yeah, well, they're they're later. Like they're in the they were just in the recent arc before the Yoda arc is going on now, and then the one before that where Han and Leia capture a, sto- a star destroyer. I believe they're called Scar Squadron. I could be getting that wrong. I'm pretty sure they're called Scar Squadron. I should have looked it up, but oh well. Um, but yeah, they. I believe I thought it was them. But it's a. I think it's a whole different things. But I think I wouldn't be surprised if they showed up. I mean, it's the same time period, you know, essentially. So, um, yeah, very, I, very well could. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're uh, elite stormtroopers, and I, I guess that means infantry, and you know, sort of like it reminds me of the the Bad Batch episodes. Oh uh, yeah, Wars. yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. watched those together at Celebration, right? Yeah. Yeah, we were. Yeah. <laughs> See, celebration memories. I'm telling you, man, we're gonna create some new ones in a few months. There, it's, Megan, it's gonna be great. It's gonna be, but no, one of the things that I'm excited about is seeing Sar Guerrero's uh, team, like their them showcase. But the thing is, here, this is the one. Now people are gonna get mad at me, so bear with me. You may get mad at me too, Megan. So just bear with me for a second. Okay, <laughs> I'm ready. The one problem with having this 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 story with Sar Guerrero is that it's a novel and not a comic book or a cartoon. Because I want the because his team is so amazing looking visually, like I want to see them more, not just like and read about them. I'll, which I'll take what I can get, of course, but I want to see the visuals of these characters, like the two tubes characters. They're amazing. They look incredible. Like the little guy. I mean, I didn't memorize these, these characters' names. Uh, Warwick Davis's character. He's awesome. The um, the black uh, scout trooper looks amazing with a you know black helmeted one. I mean, they all look incredible. And plus, Saw looks incredible. So give me more visual uh, stories about his his uh, gang than uh, than a novel because I want to see them in action. I mean, I can't. I don't have a good enough imagination to think of all this stuff and all this action. I want to see it on you know displayed on the screen for me. So um, that's my maybe one. we will. They could always make a crossover comic i would love man i would i've been pounding the table for a saw Gerrera comic for like since since i saw rogue one because he's perfect he's perfect for comic books he's a perfect anti-hero because you can get a little more violent with him because people who know the character know that he he's definitely goes above and beyond that what with rebel alliance like to and with that being said you know, you could go and tell some pretty gritty stories with him. And if, he, if that's not really your thing, you don't have, you know, you know, Sagrera's that and you just kind of avoid it. But I think he's perfect for the comic book medium. So um, I loved him in Rebels when he showed up. And I, I want more. I'll take what I can get. But I love more visual medium with his him and his crew. But I'll take this. I'll take this book and I will I will devour it. And Christine, Gold, Christine is it Christy or I want to say Kristen. It's Christy. Excuse me. Christy. Yeah. Um. So, uh, yeah. So, like, anyway, I would love to to read her book when it comes out. When I, which I will, obviously, for for my because I love Star Wars and for this podcast. But yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's interesting that Saw Guerrero's partisans keep coming up. Like Saw is sort of a thread that has been woven through a lot of the Star Wars media right now. T- 
time-wise. Like, he's in the Clone Wars. His partisans are mentioned as far ahead as um, Bloodline. So we know that they are present throughout the galaxy. And we also know that they're not necessarily affiliated with the wider rebellion. And there wasn't really an equivalent to this in the, the old expanded universe in Legends. There was no real rebel faction who was kind of considered too intense for the rebels. I think that um, the smugglers kind of held that role where they would be used by the rebellion if they were needed. But this is something different. This sort of rebel extremist group is something we never had before. Yeah, no, we, we haven't. And I think that the little we saw of them was awesome. Like, like Megan, you have no idea how much I've been like just just wanting to see Rogue One in my room, just like, laying down and just enjoying that film. <laughs> like, in the, soon you will. I know, I know. I really, I'm like, you have no idea. I, I'll just. I remember like a, couple, like a couple months ago, I was just sitting in my room, like I really wish I had Rogue One in the watch right now. I would just watch the crap out of it. So, like that scene at Jeddah when they're when the with Jin and, and Cassian and and and, and Saw's crew show up, oh, so awesome! Oh, I want to see it right now. So yeah, <laughs> soon I'm, April, right? No, when it, does the, the, it, the DVD the come out? And the the Blu-ray comes. Excuse me, the Blu-ray comes out in April, the first month of April, first week of April. And then I'm gonna probably I'm probably gonna try to get, pick it up digitally first. I'm mean, one of those dumb people who buys it digitally first, and then, the, then the, I had to buy the hard copy for my my Canon shelf. So we'll see we'll see what happens. But yeah, that's all right. Yeah, yeah. So I yeah I've got to watch it. I've got to watch it as soon as possible. I've been I mean been can't wait to see it again. I, I love Rogue One. So cool. So yeah, I'm uh, looking forward to that. But so speaking of books, mm. the next book out is the Thrawn novel by Timothy Zahn. And like I will say for me, I the the Tim Zahn books were not the first Star Wars books I ever read. I was a, a teen when I got a hold of them. Like they weren't formative for me the way they were for a lot of people, I think, but lately seeing people that are really into Timothy Zahn's stuff and like not necessarily into Star Wars books as a whole, but remember him as like an author who influenced them has been really interesting. Yeah. You know, Thrawn is going to be interesting. Um, I like Thrawn. I'm hoping that it's, um, it, it, it's, it's not just going to be like a, a weird one and done tale from the expert. I, I don't like to read excerpts, you know, because I'm just, I like to read the whole book. But from what I'm understanding of that, if uh, Thrawn is kind of, you know, knows a little bit about Palpatine and Anakin Skywalker, that's interesting. That's what I've heard. I, I was kind of spoiled for me today when I was listening to a to a show about a Star Wars show, and I'm like, oh, they just revealed that. That's nice. Thanks. For yeah. Well, it's it's implied. Well, it's it's directly stated. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. Yeah. That's what they said. Yeah. Thrawn knows. Anakin or Thrawn heard about Palpatine from Anakin. I don't think we know whether Thrawn knows that Anakin is Vader. I think that that's is true. Still question. He, but he knows of their connection, which is interesting. So how far yeah. does Thrawn go back? You know, and here's my question too: Is Thrawn species the, the, the Chiss? Are they from the unknown regions? Oh, canonically, yeah, that's a good question. I um, thought someone said that today. And I was like, did I hear that right? Was that in? So maybe they said uh, that. I, have to, I don't I know. I think, um, 
my feeling is that they are. I have to look it up real quick to see because that would have been mentioned. You, like you do that. Sort of Here, look it up real fast, and I'll, I'll kind of talk a little bit because I know that we're about, to, especially in this book, in the our little review coming up, we're definitely going to be talking about the unknown regions a little bit, and they kind of mentioned Thrawn in there as well, um, in some ways, which I won't get into specifics on that until we get to the spoiler part. But that being said. Um, no, I, I'm 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 very very interested how Thrawn, how far Thrawn goes back to uh, Anakin Skywalker and and all that. So, um, yeah, like it's it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. I don't I don't know if like was was Thrawn part of the Clone Wars, but how long have the Unknown Regions been? Like, I mean, how, are they always discovering new worlds in the Unknown Regions? Like, this is where I had no idea what the Unknown Regions were until like four or five years ago. I was like, what? What is? The... Oh, okay, now I understand. So, well, that's been a change in the new expanded universe okay. where um, uh, the expanded universe has gone from, and this is <laughs> right immediately into Empires and spoilers. Um, that's sort of what they talked about at the end of Empires End, where it's not so much that the unknown regions in Legends, they were, it was a group of planets or a region of space that hadn't been explored very much, simply sort of because it was far away, as far as I know, and because the Chiss Empire was not particularly welcoming. In canon, it's more like it's a region of space that's really difficult to traverse, so not only are there, like, the hyperspace lanes are really unpredictable, but Uh. there's also, like, something weird that sets people on edge and maybe makes them go crazy. So Mm. the region similarly hasn't been explored, but for different reasons. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cause maybe I don't know where I, or I got that from. I feel kind of dumb now. So maybe I, maybe I read something wrong or, or heard something. So I thought someone said that he was from the unknown regions. Maybe it was from the E. Well, that must be from the EU. Cause that's what you're saying. Yeah, no, yeah. That's, that's absolutely from the EU. And oh, so I'm okay. just looking at Wikipedia right now to uh, double check. And it does not have, um, as far as I know, I'm on the Thrawn page. Uh, oh, excuse me, I'm on the Chiss page. Their home world is not listed in canon. However, ah. Zahn and plenty of other authors have stated that there's rarely reasons to change things like where planets are located unless they absolutely need to be changed for story. Like Zahn has Got said, you. he's kind of assuming that Thrawn's backstory is the same. Mm. So I would say that, um, and, and of course that, like, we haven't read this book, so that could still change. But um, That's true. Okay. I think that it's it's not confirmed that he's from the unknown regions, but that ah. is a reasonable thought to follow Good. from the okay. EU. Okay, that's okay. that's what someone that's what I heard. Someone someone's probably assuming that's still the same thing. Then okay, yeah, because that was on the show I was listening to. They they had mentioned that, and I was like, huh, I have no idea. I had no idea. I had no idea that was uh, I was there, but that makes more sense. So. All right, yeah, I'm excited to read it. I mean, I'm all, I'm up for any Star Wars. We also have some. We have a bunch of of new uh, canon stuff coming out. Actually, there's those two um, Rogue One books too, the Guardians of the Wills and the, yes. the one with with Jin, the YA novels. Which I'm really excited about. So we'll have plenty to read we'll, when we get back from celebration. Uh, we'll hopefully have a staff back, and we'll get a we'll get all this all this stuff to read and talk about. Thrawn, those other books, we'll have a lot to talk about. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to those Rogue One books. I, Me too. I was not super impressed by the excerpt from Thrawn, just 
from a writing perspective. Oh, I think man, it needed some. I think it needed some work, Dang. but yeah. But that's like it's a it's an excerpt. It could still change, and that's where like my taste comes in. Like Thrawn or, or Zahn's stuff is not. I don't have that emotional attachment to it that a lot of people do. So I acknowledge that I'm not necessarily coming at it at the same <laughs> from the same point of view. Hey, I'm with you. I'm with you. But that's it, when, you, <laughs> when Megan when Megan drops a bomb like that, you know you got issues. That's all I gotta say. So you know, yeah, yeah Megan, <laughs> well, she don't like, mess around. I feel bad. Don't feel bad. It's, it's perfect. You 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 did not connect with the writing, and you know what? You may not be alone in the future. Who knows? So yeah. <laughs> anyway, so writing I did generally like includes Empire's End. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's pretty pretty such, funny. Such a smooth transition. That was a perfect transition, actually. All right. There, uh, <laughs> there's like. Three different threads in this book, basically. Mm. Um, there's plot, the sort of political plot with yes. Mon Mothma and Sinjir and the election. Uh, she's facing off against Tar- Tarwal Wartal, which oh, is God. fun to say. Some guy I have no idea um, to remember his name or care. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember Wartal. And then um, Jass, Nora, Mr. Bones, and Sloane, and uh brenton wexley i didn't write him down because i forgot him but he was there too <laughs> Are all, uh... snap. that guy snap greg grumberg from force awakens he was in it uh <laughs> yeah you know no no i'm getting to snap i said brenton oh, bro- oh yeah, that's dad. right uh, that's right the dad i'm sorry see i'm sorry yeah. i'm sorry <laughs> nope. he's so forgettable that yeah, you really didn't is. even remember yeah i know <laughs> Nothing against Brenton Wexley, but so all of them are on Jakku, and then you've got Temin joining the X-wing squadron with Wedge. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of different plots coming together here, suitable for the last novel in a trilogy. So I guess Paul, just uh, which which of these was most interesting to you? Well, for the non-spoiler, because we're doing non-spoilers first, right? No, we've spoiled it already. I love it. Everything's Megan. I go love. For it. I love this. I love this free form. Just go. I love it. I love it. Okay. So we're, yeah. Spoilers are abound. People, we're doing it. All right. So my favorite aspect probably is still the interludes. Um, this the the my pre. I liked the aftermath interludes a lot. I liked the life that interludes a lot, and this continues that that trend. There's some really big stuff that happens in here. Um, like with the, uh, the, the acolytes from beyond of the, of the beyond, excuse me, are, you know, are they the Knights of Ren? Um, Tashu, when he gives, um, I love the chapter where he gives the, 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 it was like the, the two lovers, right? And he gives, at least they are, yeah, yeah they're, 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 they're lovers. And he gives the, the, the guy, uh, he gives the girl the lightsaber and a mask and, you know, a Sith mask. And he gets pissed and he attacks her and she kills him. Um, and then now I, this is again, I read this. I didn't, I, I, I don't remember exactly what happened. They all have a vision at the end. That's what I kept hearing. And I don't remember the vision though. Oh, did they see? I was focused on that. Um, I did like that excerpt a lot. I think that one was possibly the most significant, the most like important mm-hmm. one. Um, 
she takes the mask and kind of just is consumed by it. Like exactly. she becomes more bloodthirsty. Yeah. Well, and mm-hmm. that was what I remember as being the most important part of that. And I, I really, so I loved it because it was just a really dark ending. And I appreciate that sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I also, however, I also feel like it doesn't answer the question are they the Knights of Ren? <laughs> yeah, right. I don't really know that it gives us much more information about that. You know, you know what I think? I'm going to guess that they aren't. But I think that they, they're trying – I think what, what Lucasfilm and the writer and the story group are trying to tell us is that these factions of weirdos and, and Sith obsessions people, dark side people, that this is what the Knights of Ren come out of, like this whole group. But they probably take it to a whole nother level. Where the night, you know, where they get obviously they get uh, Ben Solo involved as well. That they, because it, it's interesting that they, in the picture, the one brief glimpse we see of them in the Force Awakens, he's the only one with an ignited lightsaber that we know, right? And if you look at the trailer, hmm, that's true. Excuse me. If you look at the trailer, the original trailer for uh, the Force Awakens, um, it looks like Kylo Ren has. His lightsaber, obviously, but he also has another lightsaber in his hand. So I'm wondering if the, if he's the only one that has a that has a uh, um, uh, a lightsaber, and what does that mean? Like, because it sounds like the the uh, uh, I'm sorry, I can't talk tonight. The acolytes of the Beyond they have lightsabers, but Knights of Ren they didn't look look like they did. So. It's gonna be interesting. I, I, th- I kind of think that they're not, but they're, but they're also kind of letting us know that these groups and factions are are starting to rise up. And this is something too that I thought was really interesting: that the fact that um, we've seen it in the Lando comic book, but the the fact that the Sith mass consumes her, that she became overtaken yeah. by the dark side, just like in um, same thing happened in Lando. This is where the, the, we're getting a little bit of consistency now that, that we know that dark-sided objects will corrupt you. So, you know, that maybe that they're, they're, they're so in, inherited with evil that they will, you know, they'll corrupt whatever. You know, we're getting that with Rebels right now with Ezra. You know, is the, did the Sith Holocron corrupt Ezra or is that darkness already there? It's kind of like... Mm, and oh, it's... Yeah. It's quite possible that even if the Knights of Ren don't have lightsabers um they have these corrupted items because that's what tashi was doing he was basically hanging handing out different op- cursed objects to these people so even if we can't confirm that they're the knights of ren we can at least confirm that these objects are out there in the world and i kind of like what you said about how like they don't even if they're not the Knights of Ren, there's this movement happening. Like, they don't necessarily have to be the same name to be part of the same movement. That, like, trying to uh, use the power of the Sith for themselves, even though, like, they might not necessarily even be Force-sensitive, but they're just, like, Sith fans mobilizing. And that's the kind of thing that Kylo Ren will later on... uh, also exhibit yeah no that's exactly what i feel what happened um another interlude that i really liked um was the church was, was those guys who were taking back the kyber crystals back to the where they um christoph christoph oh my gosh i can't say this um it's, it's a, <laughs> yeah it's a planet from uh the very beginning of it's a, from the clone war movie christoph yep. oh my god i can't say the planet name 
This is embarrassing. Christophsis. There you go. Yeah, that's it. She said it. Um, So now is that – now, there was something that I remember my, my good friend Tim from the Saga Continues podcast, another great Star Wars podcast you should all listen to. Um, my good friend Tim and I were talking. Now, I don't know if you remember this, but bear with me. Okay. So, they're, you know, as, as they're going to, to deliver these, these crystals, um, they, there's a, a one point, like they tell like the young guy, who the new guy or whatever, um, there's, a, there's a, a passage from the Journal of the Wills. Which is really cool, right? Like that. Yes, that was, which is the first time we've properly seen that in canon. In the canon, yeah, in canon, because it's in like the Star Wars novelization, the New Hope novelization, but not in, um, you know, whatever. But yeah, so this is what's interesting. There was a line where it says that you know it has like I don't remember the bulk of the line, but it says from a certain point of view. That's from like the the scripture of the Journal of the Wills. Now, yeah, I, I say scripture. So- yeah, so really quickly, a lot of people have problems with this. He had a problem with it. My buddy Tim, and it sounds like you do too. No, I saw all the articles. I saw somebody mention this on Twitter and went, wait, what did I miss in that part? And then they said that it was that thing about a certain point of view. And I kind of don't think that's as big a deal as people are making it out to be. Um, I... The argument, and correct me if I'm wrong, the argument is basically that, oh, that means that Obi-Wan was being particularly devout when he said that to Luke, and, like, that was one of his Jedi tenets. I don't necessarily think that's why that was in the book. I think it was just kind of a cute nod, because Obi-Wan had so many reasons to lie to Luke, other than that it was part of his religious doctrine. Um... So I kind of think people are reading too far into what's just a fun reference. I don't, what do you think? Well, okay. So I'm kind of I, – I think that you and Tim kind of fall on the same, the same thing, except he had a more of a problem with it. And uh, But this is what I think. And I, I kind of come – I went to Bible school for two years now. So uh, I have a background with, with studying scripture. What I liked about it was the fact that if this is what the way I interpret this is that that's where Obi-Wan got it from and Obi-Wan used scripture to justify something that was probably crucial to, to helping Luke in the process. So what I'm trying to say is that there's this Jedi teachings of, of, you know, of, of his studying of the force, right? The journal of the wills, because the, the journal of the wills isn't exactly uh, a Jedi only. It's a force thing, right? We all know that every, yeah, just because especially the, now, yeah, especially now that now. we've seen, yep. So the way I see it is, is in his Jedi teachings, he's looking over like Journal of the Wills as scripture, and you is using that as a way to justify of trying to help Luke by not by you know not telling him the whole truth. So I kind of like that that he's using you know this ancient beings kind of method to try to justify something that really did probably help him in the long run. Cause if he would have told Luke sooner, he probably would have like went nuts. Right. And then probably would have joined the emperor and, or not probably, but it wouldn't worked out well for him. But, you know, Obi-Wan was trying to protect him and using, you know, using the journal, of the will scripture of, you know, of these ancient beings of the force uh, as his way of justifying it. I, I love that. I thought it was really cool. And I don't think it. I don't think it belittles Obi Wan by any means. In fact, I think it makes him more awesome because of the fact that he's, um, 
because he is this important figure in, in the force. Considering too that he's also the same person that you know he's one of the first people to achieve uh, you know his his full self conscious self in the force. So but how does how does it belittle Obi Wan to have not belittle? That's just, a bad word. Wait, I just like hadn't thought of it from like I guess I hadn't thought that deeply into what it meant to Obi-Wan as a person, is that an argument that people are having that him quoting it belittles him somehow? Not belittles him, but it belittles the the whole term and makes him seem like he he got that from somewhere else. That's what Tim kind of said. And Tim, kinda, he kind of liked what uh-huh. I was going with a little bit with kind of mm. used scripture as a way to justify what of these ancient force beings to do something that was for the greater good ultimately. So... You know, I, I looked at it like that in my in my kind of my Bible study teachings or my Bible school teachings. So um, I I thought it was I thought it was cool personally, but a lot of people had a problem with it. But I, one thing I overlooked was that were they all from the Church of the Force? I believe oh, man. they were. Um, I had flipped to it, and now I need to flip to it again. Because now you can confirm that for me, because I think that it was. Because that's also the people that were from Lorzanteca. Yes. And so, it's one thing the new canon is certainly doing, like we said with the uh, Acolytes of the Beyond, are establishing there are a lot of different Force factions. They don't necessarily all need to be together. Um, let's see. These guys are pilgrims. They're bringing the crystals home. They are from the Church of the Force. Yes. yes. Yes, yes. Okay. So, so that thought was, I, I knew there were, I just, I didn't know for sure. Thought that was really cool. It's interesting that they're putting the kyber crystals back on the planets. So, yeah, because they felt they had been stolen. Yeah. So, so obviously, there, we got the kyber crystals from the, uh, from Rogue One and also from the Clone Wars. We're getting the importance of how these kyber crystals are connected to the Force, which we already knew, but, we're getting more emphasis from that, which I think is really cool. So um, I don't know. I, I think it's also – I think the reason um, – I think this chapter is kind of important is mostly because of uh, the fact that they're trying to explain that these kyber crystals are all over the place. You know what I mean? Like they're not just on like two planets and that's it. Like they're all over the universe. But they just have to yeah. keep looking for them. And at the same time, there's a, a finite number of them. There are enough that they have to be protected. Exactly. Mm-hmm. E- exactly. So, what did you think about that other interlude that people were writing news articles about? Um, the one about Jar Jar on Naboo. Oh, oh. Um, I'm going to be honest here. It was it was heartbreaking, and I I, I see I say that yeah. with, with zero sarcasm. Zero. I agree. I agree. It was. <laughs> heartbreaking um i got i felt bad after like after reading that um it was um or hearing that i should say uh it was a um i don't know i how i explain it for people who you know if, if you haven't read it if you don't care about spoilers basically um this, this refugee from naboo um from an imperial of some coruscant or some other planet but a refugee that lives on naboo walking over and, and it looks at like a sad clown essentially. And that's what Jar Jar was, is they, they call him a sad clown. And he's not very funny and no one really likes him. And he, and it, what's so weird is that it's kind of meta. Cause that's exactly what, uh, 
if people a lot of people think of him now not necessarily like the, i think the the yeah. main star wars community we all i think we've all accepted jar jar for the most part it's like the other mainstream people that just really had a problem with them and just how it like showing it just it was almost weird to see how it affected jar jar personally and how awful that was um and how everyone blames him for all these things it was just really weird and but it weird in a good way and it felt almost therapeutic and it just felt bad for him um I thought it was. I thought it was maybe, and this is going to sound really ridiculous, and you you can you can laugh if you want, Megan. I thought it was one of the best written chapters of the entire book. Huh. Well, I I think the word therapeutic is quite a good one for it because what I liked about it was that it reflects how fans feel. Um, adults, adult fans, tend to think that Jar Jar is kind of a mess and that he shouldn't be in the saga, and the icing on the cake is that he, by the way, basically paved the way for the Empire. Whereas children think he's funny and think he's endearing, and this chapter laid that out in-universe, and it was kind of cool to see that reflected, and I I made notes as I was reading it, and my note was just like, (laughs) Am I really having this many feelings about Jar Jar yes, right now? Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, because I don't. I mean, I feel completely neutral about Jar Jar. I don't like him particularly. I don't find him terribly annoying either. So it was just like I'd never really had feelings about this character before, and it's a very, very bittersweet interlude because. 
beautiful poetic way and mm-hmm. that's something we hadn't seen him do before i i liked the writing in this just as much i liked some of the characterization better than in life debt generally i like this book better than life debt and about Me the too. same as the original aftermath um, oh yeah oh yeah yeah, well, Wendig definitely kind of like stretched what he had to do in this book, and that yeah. was impressive. Yeah, you know, it, it's other things. I think it just felt like a good wrap. I think the the whole book was wrapped up really well. Like you had that um, the pirates interlude too, that they kind of like yeah. they take they take over another like they're taking over. So they're establishing that like there's these pirates that are going to be around that have star destroyers. Which again, I which was glad like, to see Elod back. Yeah, that was interesting. That was really cool to read. Um, and how like they're are, now are they now did, were they going into the unknown regions? I don't too? believe so. They're I think Eliodi s- was just making a little pirate camp somewhere. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. So like, I mean, as far as the inter- and wrap up the interludes too, really fast, and we'll get into the main story. Um, that was really interesting. Um, the couple other ones that were that stood out to me that I, the two other ones that stood out to me besides the El- what's her name Eliodi or Eliodi? What's its name? Eliodi? Yes, Eliodi, yeah, and yeah, they Eliodi. use um, Zer, Z and Zer pronouns. That's right, that's right, yeah. So, um, yeah, so that, that's, that was a good chapter, that was a fun little chapter. Um, the Tatooine chapter, where it's the, the sheriff guy, the guy is basically like anti-hero <laughs> Bubble Fett. And and Malakili comes back in that I know. one. And like and, and the, the, like, steampunk Bantha. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. That was, was that yeah. was a lot. I was kind of hoping the Sarlacc pit would show it back up again. That's what I kind of thought was going to happen. I kept expecting that to happen. Um, you know, with with emphasizing the fact that 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 armor is like acid covered in acid, and it's um, you know that the the Sarlacc pit is involved somehow, um, in in or or in Boba Fett maybe alive. I'm wondering what they're trying to say with the fact that you know maybe he did die, but the armor is still around um, because. If they didn't, if Boba Fett was still around, wouldn't they want to keep him in somewhat in a, of his similar outfit? But I guess getting a Mandalorian outfit isn't too hard to find. But the one that Boba Fett, Boba Fett has is so distinct. So they they obviously are they took it off him and are keeping it off him for a reason. But maybe it's not. Maybe it's not Boba Fett's. I doubt it. But it's real hard to read into that right now because they're leaving yeah. they're uh, leaving all their avenues open it could be his armor it might not be he could be alive he might not be like it's all just up in the air right now and i think that any speculation like i don't even know if lucasfilm knows what's up with boba fett right that, now that's a good point yeah that's a good yeah. point that's a good point and the last interlude that I, i'm going to unless you have one that i missed that i don't remember but as a uh, lando in Cloud City. Now, I'm not going to take credit on this. Someone had mentioned, it was actually Star Wars Explained. I've been watching Star Wars Explained videos, and they're very good. Um, and he had mentioned this. And it's a, it's a great chapter, first of all. It's a fun chapter. Wendig got Lando. In fact, I wouldn't mind if Wendig wrote a, a Lando comic or a Lando novel at some point, because I really thought he got the grasp of Lando, his voice, really well. Charles Soule yeah. did a great job, but I thought like he did an e- almost equal great job in the, in the short little snippet that we got. And I also love the fact that you know there's references to the Star Wars um, that Star Wars mobile game, uh, kind of like yeah, you know, uprising, think, right? Yeah, uprising, yeah. So there's I think there's references into that, and I think that Lando just like and it's also interesting. Lando didn't join the New Republic 
he stays on Cloud City. Mm-hmm. Like ever like, the businessman. Yeah, like that like, was. Mm-hmm. Wendig really did get his voice down did, really well. I think did. I I don't think he did Han's voice super well, no, but Lando right. sounded like Lando. No, you you nailed you nailed it. Like Han and Life Debt was always hard for me to get into because this did not seem like Han Solo. Um, in fact, to be honest, I think post Return of the Jedi is really hard to get Han Solo because the comic books in Shattered Empire, I don't think it really got his voice really now that I think about it. Um, you know, I don't even know if Harrison Ford and, and Larry Kazan got post Return of the Jedi. <laughs> Maybe they, I don't know. Han Obviously they, they did, but, um, Han is a difficult character because he, he you have to have like, He's got layers. He's got that, mm-hmm. like, bravado over a layer of being really serious about his work, over a layer of not pretending to care about anything, over a layer of really caring about things a lot, over another <laughs> layer of bravado. So, like, he's tricky. No, no, that's a great point. The only – the, the one um, new story – I think uh, Jason Aaron um, has, has got a great – has done a great job with his voice in the in the main comics, but that's also – during the new hope era. And I forgot the writer's name. I forgot her name, but she was fantastic. The writer for the Han Solo comic, that Han Solo comic is great. We'll have to review that at some point. Marjorie Liu. Yeah. She was great. That was, that was, that's probably up there as one of the best Star Wars, new Star Wars Canon comics out there. And I hope we can review that soon on a future episode. So, um, but yeah, like um, Han Solo's voice is hard, but Windig nails Lando. Now, the reason I brought up Star Wars explained is that, they think that the hints are coming to where we're, we're figuring out about how Luke gets his blue lightsaber or how it kind of gets back into the mold. And I think the fact that Lando is not re- at this point, as far as we know, has rejoined the new Republic as like a, you know, a general or something. He's actually staying on cloud city and Bespin and going to keep get, keep it going. So that's a big re- revelation about Lando that I think that's been kind of overlooked a little bit, right? Hmm. Yeah, because that that immediately makes him different from what he was doing in the EU where he was like moving from one project to the other, not really settling down. If he makes Bespin his base of operations, that's a big departure. Now, do you think that he's going to find Luke's lightsaber there? I, you know what? I, I think if anyone does, it should be him, especially yeah. especially when he's referencing like again. And I don't want to take credit for this because it was in the video. Um, Star Wars Explained guy said, had said like how he references you know getting gifts for for Ben Solo for you know for a baby shower, and he's I'll I'll get him a couple gifts. I'll get him you know, and maybe he finds a lightsaber. I don't know, and maybe that's why Kylo Ren says that lightsaber belongs to me because he knew exactly what what it was in. Uh, you know, and Han Solo even knows what it was. He he knows exactly what it is when when Maz takes out. He goes, "Where did you get that?" So, the fact that he's on Cloud City and he's referencing a a, a present, and then he also you know for Ben Solo, and he also references, um, or in later on we have references from Kylo and Han Solo. They know exactly what lightsaber that is immediately. Whereas, you know. Han Solo wasn't around Luke that much when he had it. I don't think he'd recognize that lightsaber immediately. I was like, oh, that's Luke's, that's Luke and Anakin's old lightsaber. You know, that's, I feel like he would have, yeah. to, he would have to actually know what it looks like extensively up close and personal, which 
Maybe he, I guess maybe he, he would because he actually had it in, in, in Empire Strikes Back. But you know what I'm trying to say. I don't know. I, I don't, I don't, I think that there's significance to that. So I'm going to go with that theory with Star Wars Explained Guys. So I'm going to go with that. So am I, is there any other interludes that I'm missing? No, I think those are all the ones that I would have pointed out, especially Jar Jar and the uh, Acolytes of the Beyond. Word, word. All right, so what's the, by the way, I just said wits, and my wife rips on me and laughs at me and, and thinks it's adorable that I say wits when I say let's. So anyway, um, <laughs> I just caught myself saying wits, so everyone who know, now who hears this will know that I say wits, uh, if you haven't already noticed. <laughs> anyway, Megan, what's what's next in the docket? We have the main the main... The meat and potatoes of the book, right? Yeah, so we um, we spent a while on the interlude, so I was thinking that maybe we can talk a little bit about, like, who is your favorite character, maybe? And then we're going to go and talk about the ending, and I'm sure we'll have a lot of theories about that. So let's pick, like, one character that you uh, think is most significant or, like, change the most during this book. I don't know. I don't know if they changed, but I still love Ray Sloan. I think that is the correct answer. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, I knew you would like that answer, but it's it's the only answer I can come up with because her character was the most intriguing throughout this whole trilogy of books. In fact, um, I may reread these books um, or listen to these books again, uh, but I'll probably and I hate to say it, I probably will skip the Singer main story. I like he's, he's my second favorite, but like Joss and, you know, Timon and uh, I'm not really into that. Like, well, see, I, um, I also agree about Ray Sloan, but yes. Singer was my, my second favorite. He's my too. second favorite. Too. And mm-hmm. His like emotional story. He changed the most yes. in this book. Yes, I he think. did. Mm-hmm. Um, and his emotional story was more interesting to me than the actual plot, the actual political stuff. Right. It was it was fine, but um, I really liked how Sinjer kind of grew as a person, and he also has a lot of layers and had to kind of strip some of those layers away. No, absolutely. I think he definitely changed the most, but I think if I, if I went for a character throughout the whole story that was fantastic, it was Ray Sloan. And I think you could say she changed... She never once, not changed, but she never once uh, weathered from her uh, state. She always wanted to improve the empire or keep it going at all, at you know, at any cost necessary, including teaming up with people that necessarily didn't want her best interest or the empire's best interest. She's a company. Someone said, that, I think, I don't forget what podcast it was or what show I watched. Someone called her a company woman. And I, and I kind of like that about her. The fact that she didn't change, she was pretty consistent throughout the whole thing that she, all she wanted was to preserve the empire. Cause she felt that, you know, what she was doing was the right thing to do. And that's she, interesting because like that's kind of her main thing is that even though everything changed around her, she never wavered from her goal, even though she had to like change what her goal looked like a little bit because the empire itself was changing. I liked that about her a lot. No, exactly. And so I think that I think she's the most interesting character, uh, hands down, with, that we see throughout the series. Um, Gallius Rax was kind of a letdown. Um, I, I I never. I never bought into him being Snoke one bit. There's just no way they're going to introduce him as a character in a book like that. I just know there's no way. And and I, I thought that she was 
and again, this is a major spoiler. The fact it, essentially they essentially say that she starts the first order. I mean, no, yes, yes, <laughs> no, yes. Don't even go there. You know it to be true. I mean, no. Okay. So look, she did not stand for any of the things the first order stood for just because she's uh, on a ship with the Huxes uh, and she spoke <laughs> the words first order and they're headed to the unknown <laughs> regions. Does not mean that she's going to found the first order when it goes against all of her philosophy. Well, I mean, how how much is the first order really against the empire's philosophy? Um, well, she was not, um, oh, wait, that's a good question. Hang on. I got to think about this. Um, she did not go for like the full scale destruction to the same degree that Rax did. She did not want to destroy Jakku. She didn't really see a point. If I remember correctly, yeah, she was right. more of a pragmatist about it. And like, mm-hmm. she was willing to destroy things, but she wanted to feel like she was destroying them in the name of progress, not destroying them just because they were there. And... Mm-hmm. I think the first order is also a little bit of a like like they're posers compared to her. <laughs> like she would want to make a new empire. Okay, here we are. We have an emperor. We are the empire. And whereas like Hux and Kylo were willing to create a whole new system with Snoke at the head, it doesn't have the structure is not the same. Um, I don't think Sloane would be in support of that. You know, I, I I guess I think when I say she starts their first order, I, I think that it, it comes out of her leadership of the Empire. So I think that she unintentionally starts the first order. How about that? Because that's because <laughs> yeah. that's I, I, th- I think she that's was certainly happened. present at the formation of the seeds of the yes. first order. <laughs> so I, can't I th- deny that the fact that she goes into the unknown regions with all the Empire, the the remnants of the Empire, that's a huge. That that to me that shows you that she is she basically involuntarily starts the first order because I think that she'll probably lead them for what another twenty thirty years and or, or not not even that like what less than that you know and do we know I mean could she be Finn's mom perhaps uh, uh, I mean I'm sorry I mean, could, could yeah yeah could she be Finn's mom yeah we talked about this. Um... Uh, it might have been on Tashi's station. I don't remember. It might not have been. It might just have been, like, in my living room. Um, <laughs> they, <laughs> the ages, if I remember correctly, don't quite work out. And, uh, like, full disclaimer, I don't really want her to be Finn's mom because I, get it, I, get it. I feel like it's kind of lumping, like, all black people have to be related. And I don't think that's necessarily a good, like ground for a fan theory to stand on but um i so finn so ray was like 21 at the time of the um of oh, force awakens right. yeah you're right uh-huh. finn was probably about the same maybe and aftermath empire's end takes place at the battle of jakku so, oh gosh, I can't do the numbers right now. <laughs> well, but here's the thing: it's oh. it's definitely possible. It would be interesting that you know if she because the reason the only reason why I'm saying this is because that they had a they had a, a model of the the empire needs to get younger and they need to have children. That was a, something that was a staple 
in what Emperor Palpatine basically said to um, Gallius Rax, and I think she echoed that as well. So that she did, but she wanted to kidnap them, not necessarily produce them herself, well, <laughs> or rather, but, Hux was kidnapping them. Well, right, but that—that's. That's one reason why I think it's a possibility. It's a slim possibility, but I think that's that's the only reason why I jumped to that conclusion is that she's that she they had talked about they need to get younger, and I don't think it's all. But I guess Finn does mention that that they were captured from a home they'll never know, um, kind of a thing. So there is mm, that. And to me, the most interesting part of that is the idea that Finn might be from Jakku because those kids that original batch were from Jakku. But he's younger. But the thing is, he's younger than than um, he's he's about Ray's age, I'd imagine. So about twenty nineteen years old. So yeah. So I guess, yeah, I guess you're right. They could could they be harvesting like people like 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 concubine like on Jakku? Wait, wait, hang on. That just went in a lot of directions at once. Harvesting like I think maybe they would swoop in and kidnap. Okay. Orphan kids. I don't okay. think there's like a breeding program. No, that's what I'm, I think that would be a bit much. D- but I but mean, like, <laughs> but that's how they're getting. How they get so big so fast? Well, they age normally. They're just the the first well, order has been doing this since the Battle of Jakku. I maybe. Mean, I I, mm. I mean, I'm not saying I want them to be want there to be like a breeding grounds and concubines, but I'm just saying like. It would make sense if they're a smaller organization and they're trying to get bigger, you know, and grow and everything. So, um... yeah, I think there's a difference between a breeding program and having like encouraging citizens to have children of their own accord. Sure. The First Order might have done one or both of those things. I suppose. I'm going to say they did, they did or... both. They did everything to get bigger. I'm, I'm just going to assume that. Um, I just, I don't know, that just doesn't feel like Star Wars to me. Really? Eh, I guess, I mean, I mean, I don't know. I guess what I, I would, I would agree with you normally, but I guess like some, there's in the new canon, like in some, there's some things in Force Awakens that doesn't seem like Star Wars to me either completely that I've accepted that I know that they'll be changing, but like kidnapping <laughs> kids, at, at, you know, at a young age is kind of weird. So that to me, to me anyway, that's that's kind of strange, but whatever, it doesn't uh, matter. We'll find out. And yeah. the, the other reason, like, I'm so adamant for Sloan not to be part of the First Order is because I like her. And yeah, I, I was going to say the, the whatever, New Republic and you like biased, survive. Man. Yeah, she. she, she uh, well, I'm absolutely biased. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder I was like, why are you denying the First Order? He's like so obvious. Oh, that's why, <laughs> well, Megan. No, because I want her to live. Oh, true. Um, like, she ain't living. She ain't living much longer. I'll say that. She's got like 10, 15 years, if that, and then she's gone. Like the Huxes are going to take her over. There's no doubt. I'm so sad, Paul. You can't see how sad I look I right know. now. I'm sorry. I, you like, know I love her too, though. It's not like I don't think she's a villain. She's obviously a villain. She's done some really terrible things. But I think she's just such an interesting character. And it's so unique to have, like, a black woman in a position of power that they need to keep her around. And a great, strong character to boot. I mean, that's the thing. Like, she's amazing. Like, she's, she's hands down the most interesting character of the whole series. Like, hands down. It's not even close. She's an amazing character, and I I love the fact that like she's she's awesome, you know. So I don't know. Like I Sloan is the best 
for sure. And that's that's the debate right now. And I'm sure this, you know, the end of this book was kind of supposed to create a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. Oh, my final question is, uh, did you notice the girl that might or might not have been Phasma? Now I missed this. Now some now was was it part was it part of the Lord of the Flies Hux thing? Yes, yes, it was. Okay, I think I vaguely. What, what was? Did they mention him by name? They do not mention Phasma by name. No, they mention a tall girl with dead eyes, and uh, that's literally all you know about her. That she's tall. Oh, <laughs> and I, I got it. To, it's Phasma. Yeah, I think I think you're not the only one. I have someone, I admit, I totally just missed that dead eyes oh my gosh it's very very brief and i don't even know what the dead eyes thing means in context it just means that she looks I'll... like brienne of tarth underneath that helmet that's it yeah uh, <laughs> uh but no i i think that she's my favorite character i i like the battle in jakku stuff um that was pretty cool um uh, the ending was a little weird i don't know if, if you uh got that um at all but like it was a little hard to follow like when they're in the the caverns of the of the of the whatever they were at the, the cave in or... the uh the observatory yeah well yeah. that's kind of what i was saying before about what i think was really cool about how they've changed what the unknown regions are like it feels very mysterious now in a way it didn't really before um i also agree with you though that rax was kind of underwhelming like his whole the reveal of who he was didn't really feel all that significant and like his chess piece thing didn't really do it for me. Yeah. The, the, I liked, it was interesting. The whole Durga, was it, is it Durga or no Nima? Nima. Yeah. Durga is a different, uh, like uh, Nima outpost. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Nima, Nima, the hut was really interesting. Like how she like knocks over a shuttle Titanium, uh, Imperial shuttle excuse me uh and like is moving like a, like a like move pretty fast like faster than sloan anticipated you know and uh the, how she like still like was you know still alive around all that that was pretty cool um yeah the the end was really weird like when he's trying to destroy the planet i didn't really understand i was I, that didn't make sense to me is like you know emperor tells him to you know, go to Jakku and do all this, but yeah, he's going to destroy the planet and kill everybody. <laughs> I was kind of disappointed by that because you, I really, I didn't want it to be a super weapon because we've had so many super weapons in star Wars. So as they were talking, they were saying, Oh, it's the observatory. It's a map of the unknown regions. It will allow us to start the empire in a whole different galaxy. And, um, that's what I think Sloane is going to do, by the way. She's going to explore a different galaxy. Um, but the observatory was this map, and I was like, cool, it's not a super weapon. It's a map. Like, that's new and different. And then, by the way, a side effect of the drilling was that Jakku would fall apart. So it kind of is a super weapon also. And I was a little bit disappointed by that. Well, also the fact that uh, we had... a. Uh... The, the Sith artifact go down the hole with Tashu, and he's like, Yes, oh! to make it look like Palpatine's, uh, Palpatine's death. Yeah, I, it was just that was kind of, and the fact that like the Sith artifact was like gonna charge something, I don't know. I was like, eh. The ending was the, the, the worst part, and the, the, when I say the ending was the worst part, just that part in general was very anticlimactic and just not that cool. I mean, the rest of the book is great, I think, besides that, but. 
that part was a little bit was kind of left me a little bit desired, if you will. So see, all of the critiques I had of that ending were like how I felt like this wasn't explained enough, but also like it wasn't explained in the star maps in Knights of the Old Republic. It really reminded <laughs> me of those, and like they weren't explained in super lots of detail either and it felt like kind of like cheesy sci-fi in the best way in that like you don't necessarily need it explained the planet is falling apart just go with it (laughs) no i think that's that's my kind of issue it just seemed kind of random and like unnecessary if you will so uh yeah i don't know that's a that's, that's a good one i I guess like we, we we're we're getting towards the end of the book. I guess like we should talk to like the most important parts. The Palpatine parts are pretty incredible. Um, now, for some reason, I I missed. I didn't know where this was exactly. So maybe you can help me out. With this Megan, you have the book in front of you. I do. Okay, so help me out here. Why? Well, I'm gonna prepare you. Go to the. I don't know if you have them uh, mapped out or anything, but the Palpatine chapters. Uh, I, I, I got the, I, I did get the idea that Jakku, there was something on Jakku that, that was calling to, to Palpatine, which is interesting, but it didn't really, we didn't really get, get it revealed, but I, I somewhere missed where the, where he says that the unknown, there's something in the unknown regions is calling to him. And maybe it's in the Alkalites, the Alkalites chapter two, um, let me see if I can find my... I don't have my copy, damn it. He, I remember that. He does mention that he senses something dark in the unknown regions. Now, is that... So is it his chapter? The one that I'm looking at now is chapter 31, and it's the one where he teaches Galley to play chess. Yeah, and he's telling... Which, him, yeah, he tells him to go on Jakku and preserve the Empire in case something falls. Yep, and in this one, he doesn't seem to mention the uh, unknown regions as much, but he's talking about how they're drilling to, like, gain, um, let's see, the artifacts are in place, the drill is in place. They're, yeah, they're talking about Jakku like it's significant, but I think the significance about it is the observatory. That's where they found this, they built this map. I'm going to check. There's uh, There are other flashback chapters. I'm going to look at them, see if there's something else. Okay, so so basically, from what I understand, and I, and I don't know where exactly... I, I want to say that... Check out the Acolytes from Beyond if you have that in front of you as well. The, towards the end of the, It's towards the end of the, uh, the of that interlude. If I, if I remember correctly, there's like some kind of vision with like... Or some kind of calling to like the unknown regions or something like that. But anyway, when I understand this, so I think it might be in the first chapter then um, that there's something dark calling to Palpatine. Now there are a lot of people like, again, Star Wars explain guy on YouTube, which check out his videos are very informational. Um, he had mentioned that like, he thinks this could be calling to Snoke. And I, it's funny because there was a tweet out later this earlier this week that said, someone said that there was like, this looks like it's this is the the case and sorry Plagueis and which is which is you know honestly I actually like this theory I like the idea of an ancient darkness that even Palpatine is like oh I don't really know it would make kind of sense if he would he would sense its presence and then be kind of the like kind of seek it out especially if it's in the unknown regions um, but that's kind of the new theory now that people are kind of going with and I think that it's, it's a yeah fair... that, that's Snoke 
that Snoke came from the Unknown Regions? Right. But is that the theory? Yeah. yeah, the theory. That's the theory. And the other thing is, too, is but what's interesting is that he obviously is if he is from the unknown regions, he's some ancient darkness, which would, which would make sense, right? That if maybe like an old, like if not really Sith, but like dark side user from like the old Republic era, like went and escaped and went to, you know, in order to obtain um, his, his livelihood, he went into the unknown regions and got lost and then got found by the first order. That makes a lot of sense. So, and the dark side, the whole point, and obviously what, what, something that Lucas um, established in in the Clone Wars and in, 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 the, in the prequels is that the, the that the dark side, the Sith, they want to they want to live forever, right? Like that's their whole point. And so, if 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 maybe Snoke went into the unknown regions and lived for a long time, maybe he could like use the dark side to see what's going on in, in the other galaxy, and 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 knowing that. Um, that he could see the Empire and, and the and the and Palpatine and Darth Vader and with his uh, with using like some kind of omnipresent uh, ability mm. through there. That that's a, that's an so idea. Now we've got time travel and out of universe, out of universe things. Well, how there's you, a how's time travel? I, I how's certainly that work? think it's plausible that um Sloan or Sloan um, Snoke could come from the the outer regions we've had you know, threats in Star Wars. I just always want it to be the Yusan Vong. Um, we've had no. villains from outside the galaxy before. No. Um, <laughs> because they were my, like, formative Star Wars thing. But um, I, I certainly wouldn't... I, I don't think that's a bad idea. I think that's just as likely as anything else that like he came from uh, the... the. I keep tr- wanting to say the expanded regions. The <laughs> unknown regions. Yeah, so I don't know. I I kind of think that uh, I don't know. The, the, I just think that the Snoke. The only thing with Snoke being from the unknown regions, how it, and again, it's just from the novelization. So it, from the Force Awakens novelization. So you can't really take this completely as canon. But if he was present in the novel, it says he was present during the Clone Wars and, and knew like he knew he was there to witness all of that stuff go down. Was he there from a spiritual standpoint, or was he there from a actual like physical standpoint? Mm, yeah, um, and speaking of the Clone Wars, kind of reminds me that like Thrawn is part of this whole web too. Like Thrawn doesn't necessarily know who Snoke is, but Thrawn is mentioned as having been an important part of the. Uh, he worked. He worked on the observatory. Like he knew. He added to that map, so there's also that. Uh, unknown regions connection as well mm, mm. okay so that's Which, what I, yeah and that's what i didn't realize either so that's yeah and now that i think about it in the latest episode of rebels we saw hera taking un like unusual hyperspace routes and thrawn was like oh i know these routes or i i expect she'll take these because she's going to try her hardest to avoid us mm-hmm. and now i'm just like what if thrawn used some of hera's tactics to map mm. outside the galaxy <laughs> and mm. Hera's data is in the observatory. I have no basis for that. I just think it would be cool. No, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's fine. Uh, that'd be, that'd be cool too. Um, what, so you're, so you're thinking that this could be Snoke, but you're not 100% sold on it. Yes. And that's how I feel about any Snoke theory though. I mm. think mm. I'm, I'm not particularly interested in committing to one and saying like, this commit is to one, I, Megan. 
commit to no, one. I'm going to commit to one theory, and that's that Sloan does not start the First Order. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care about Snoke. <laughs> um, Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> like, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm really not interested enough to uh, choose one and say, oh, I think this is true. I think we're going to find out. I'm generally content to find out right. eventually. But um, I think it's interesting how the expanded universe is, I keep saying it. Sorry. You said the you said, unknown regions. Oh, you said, <laughs> keeps coming back. I'm like, no, you said, <laughs> you said it right. No, you meant the unknown regions. Oh, my bad. Yes. The, uh, the unknown regions. <laughs> Yes. That's the twist. That outside the galaxy is actually our galaxy. Yes. Yeah, yes, it will. I wish. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. I guess for me, the Snoke uh, theory, I, I still I love the idea of Plagueis. I'm never going to back down. That's what I want. I don't think it's going to happen. But if this was the case, I kind of like this idea. I just don't want Snoke to be some rando... Uh, like guy from unknown regions who's like I discovered the dark side and I became corrupted and from the unknown that'd be lame. I want him to be ancient. I want him to have some kind of history that like there's a reason this guy's a big freaking deal and that he you know Luke Skywalker goes into hiding essentially because of him. You know yeah like and, Darth Bane level ex- exactly like not like well I just I discovered the dark side now you have to be scared of me. It's like that seems lame in my opinion. So and uh, like. That's kind of how Darth Bane started, but if he was like kept cryogenically frozen and woken up and become Snoke or something, that's yeah. not my theory. That's just an example. Yeah, yeah, but you know, <laughs> you know would, what I'm saying. Like, give some more gravitas. Yeah, to it. like I like the idea of him being like from the ancient time, and he went to the unknown regions and got lost, and just hang, hung out there and just stayed there for you know, you know, whatever how long it was. And then stayed there and, and was corrupted. Like that would be cool to me. But to have some like new guy just come up and looks all haggard and like I got haggard by a bunch of Jedi and now I'm named Snoke and I'm gonna be a bad guy and it's like that it sounds lame. <laughs> yeah, so um, anyway, I yeah, I just want Snoke to be a legitimate bad guy, not some lame rando person. So um, yeah, I I certainly think that it would be more powerful for him to have some kind of connection to. The lore somewhere, you know, exactly. something we've seen before. I mean, anytime you can you can connect to, I think the great, you know, I say the greater the, the galaxy far far away, you know, history, the better. If I mean, sometimes you need to add new things. Don't don't get me wrong, you do. But I think the more you connect with it together, and even I know a lot of people hate the small galaxy thing, but to me, that's that's always the best storytelling device. You know, sometimes you need new things, but for me, when you make it, when you make when you connect things, it usually often. Oftentimes, more than not, it ends up being a better story. So, that's just my yeah. Opinion. So, yep. Anyway, uh, so are we? Is that are we, are we? So we like the book. Yes, yes, we did. We liked the book. We liked the trilogy, yes, even if like yeah. it fell flat a little bit. See, I think. So, it, wait, did you like? So, did you like Aftermath more than Life Debt? Yes. See, I liked Life Debt more than Aftermath, but I liked huh. the interludes <laughs> of Aftermath a lot. And I liked the I liked majority of the story for Life Debt, but th- th- it got kind of confusing at the end for me. Like when they're on like my shoot. my real quick assessment, and like this isn't the only feeling I have about Life Debt, but it's the one that has lasted the longest. Is that 
in Life Debt, the characters themselves didn't always care about each other or care about the story. And while that's not impossible to do as a writer and keep the audience entertained, I felt that that book in particular struggled to do that. I was left with a lot of like, okay, if this character doesn't care about their friends, why do I care about their friends? And in uh, Empire's End, that was fixed almost immediately. The characters had clearer intentions and closer relationships, and that helped it a lot. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think think Life Debt had a lot more like meat on the bones than aftermath did aftermath had better interludes. Um, I love, I love all the interludes though, but I think empire's end is definitely the best book. It's the best. Well, it's the best written. I think it's the best. It has the most story to tell. And obviously if you invest, you get invested with these characters, you can definitely will have a great, I think for the most part, a decent payoff um, for the story. So yeah, and you can see Chuck Wendig kind of growing a little bit as these books go on. Like, he tries more bigger things as they go. And I think he's been really good for uh, for Star Wars fandom. Like, yeah. he always is... I don't want to open this can of worms right now, but he's very open with his fans. Fans have not always been good to him, and he has dealt with them mostly with good humor so and i would be happy to see him come back to star wars again no i, I think this was this book would make me i if you said ask me before this book i'd be like nah no offense mr windig but after this book i'm like you know what i could especially with the lando i would love to see him write like a nice you know ya lando novel or something like that you know something you know like a novel about lando and because i really liked his lando chapter a lot and he in this chapter really or this excuse me this book really showed me that he is a little more versatile than I thought he was. So I'm actually in favor of him coming back too. So yeah, we all like the book. Cool. That's good. Great. Yep. So I think that's it. That's our episode for this yeah. week. If you want to check out more of Blaster Cannon, you can find us on SoundCloud um, via Den of Geek. We're on Twitter at, uh, is it, is there an underscore? Is it Blaster underscore Cannon? It's just Blaster Cannon Pod. Cool. Um, and so I'm at blog full of words on Twitter, Paul, where can people find you? People can find me on Twitter at Herman with two N's 22, AKA P thug. So, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, hit me up on there. We'll, uh, we'll talk star Wars or Marvel or music or whatever. Cause I'm always, as Megan knows, I love talking about music and I always give her music to listen to. So. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, if you want to talk, Twitter is definitely a good way uh, to do it. Tell me about your Sloan theories. And Sloan theories. Yes. <laughs> I don't care about Snoke no, theories. Sloan I care about theories. Sloan theories. I, that is amazing. <laughs> oh. um, yeah, so that's definitely a good place to uh, catch up with us. Where hopefully we will do some more episodes. Um, we'll get back to doing the monthly schedule specifically and it sounds like rebels might be a good topic for next week so tune in then or next what? next month next month yep it's all right see you guys, <laughs> see, you guys next- so well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> see you next time everyone bye okay
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.